Really, I love this part of, of Acts, this section, the last part of this chapter. Um, yeah, just the fact that Paul is just a cool cat, you know what I mean? He's, he's the man. He's like the Batman of the Christian world. He's, he is the man. And so uh, we'll get to it at the end. But this is the, this is the, um, the story of, of the Philippian jailer. Remember, what, remember that Acts is the a whole book. We're, we're taking it apart in sections as we go. But remember, it's all one, one deal. So uh, we're, I'm going to try to connect the dots every time with you. Remember, Paul is now on his second missionary journey. Remember, he had a fight with Barnabas about taking John Mark with him. They split up. They went into two different groups. Barnabas and took Mark and went to Cyprus uh, to uh, encourage the churches that they had started on their first missionary journey. Paul took Silas. You remember who Silas was? Silas was a Jewish man who was also a Roman citizen who came from Jerusalem to with the letter. Remember the letter that the apostles wrote saying uh, we're not going to add anything to the Gentiles. And Silas was one of the men that came with Paul and Barnabas back from Jerusalem to Antioch. And so uh, Barnabas took Mark and Paul didn't want Mark to go. So Paul took Silas and he met Timothy. We saw that last week, right? He, He goes to the churches that he went to before and he's encouraging them, strengthening them. And now he was he was trying to move on to new areas and plant churches. And we talked about that last week about. Remember, the God wouldn't let him go into this area, Asia. God wouldn't let him go into Bithynia. But then God gave him a vision of a Macedonian man that said, come to Macedonia. And so he went to Philippi, right? Philippi, and that's where the first convert on the European continent was. And who was, who was she? Lydia. Lydia, that's right. Okay, so that's where we're at right here. We're in Philippi. We're in the city of Philippi as we start this. And Paul has already, Lydia has been converted. Lydia has brought Paul and Silas and the missionary band to her house. And they're kind of uh, basing their, their base of operations there. Hey, that's a lot of people need those forms if you don't, if I don't remind you, if I don't remember, okay? I may have to jump on the stage right after. So it's a lot. Of, I probably, we're probably going to make photocopies. Uh, so we're in Philippi. So in chapter 16, verse uh, 16. So 16, 16. This is where, that's where we left off. It says, and it came to pass. Uh, let me, let me just illustrate what we're going to talk about before we start reading. That way you'll kind of get the sense of where we're going. There's three things that I see in this passage, and we could talk about all kind of different things that are going on in here and different things that they apply to, but what Paul's going to do here is he's going to show us what it means to be a witness in different situations. He's going to show us um, the, the three things that I see is that a witness for Christ is going to, he's going to rejoice in suffering for Christ. And you can see that in Paul and Silas singing in the jail. We're going to see that. Uh, a witness for Christ is also going to represent Christ in every situation that he's in. And then finally, uh, at the end, my favorite part of this whole, the whole deal is uh, the witness for Christ is going to prepare the way for other Christians. He's going to prepare the way for the church. He's going he's to make sure he leaves the, leaves the body in a better place, in a better way than he found it. I'm going to illustrate that to you. So what you're going to see here throughout these things is all kind of different things, but you're going to see that 
You're going to see that uh, Paul is going to be a witness in every situation that he's in, even in the situations that are tough. Um, he's going to, uh, let's just read it, verse 16, 16 through 18. Let me just read it all at once. It says, and it came to pass as we went to prayer. Remember the prayer was the place of prayer by the river that he met Lydia at. Remember that? He's going back to that place. He said, A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Okay, so first of all, they're, they're on their way back to where they met Lydia. And this, this slave girl, it says she has a spirit of divination. Uh, in, in Greek, it says a python spirit. And so it, it's kind of strange, but the, what, it's, what it's trying to say there is that um, it's like... There was a Greek mythology, the god Apollos was a god that gave messages from the gods, like the messenger, you know, like Hermes, like the messenger of the gods. And he, uh, he, it's different ways that this happened, but it all ends up where Apollo killed this python, this, this serpent goddess, right at the Oracle of Delphi. And the Oracle of Delphi was a place where uh, people believed that you could come and get messages from the gods at the Oracle and whatever. And so the word Python became uh, not just a name for this little goddess that gives oracles, but also it, it came to it came to mean anything that has to do with giving a message from the gods or oracle from the gods. So what he's saying is not that she had a snake spirit or something like that, but he she's he's saying that she had a spirit, and it, you know they translated as such. She had a spirit that would tell the future. You know she was a fortune teller basically. She was a uh, one that uh, would come and read your palm or read your fortune. I don't know if she. She was reading your palm, but you know what I mean. She was like telling the future, telling what was going to happen. She might, she was probably billed as uh, somebody who could speak to the gods or whatever like that, you know. And the people that owned her were making money, you know. They were like charging people to come and get their palm read or come and get their future told or whatever. So this this girl, this slave girl, this was not an. I don't think this was an act. I think it was something really supernatural. Of course, it wasn't the gods or the spirits or whatever. It was demonic. It was something that was uh, evil. We're going to see that Paul cast it out of her here in a minute. But uh, the this girl was doubly enslaved. I mean, she was enslaved to the spirit that you know, caused her to give these oracles or whatever. And she was also enslaved to these people who were making money off of her giving oracles, you know. And so this slave girl starts following them around and she starts hollering. I can only get a picture of, I'm thinking, we don't know how old she was, but I'm thinking like 15, 16, 18 year old girl following these dudes around going, these are the servants of the most high God and they're here to give you the way of salvation. And, and uh, after a while, she, it says she did that many days. Verses 18 says, and this did she many days. I mean, this was not just a this was not just a chick that showed up and started hollering and left. I mean, she followed them around for days going. These are the servants of the most high God. I mean, just yelling it out, telling out, you know what they were. And so it, it just seemed kind of weird to me. Don't it? Do you? 
seemed kind of strange that this little slave girl would follow around. And Paul, I, I so relate with Paul. After a couple days of it, I don't know why he waited so long. But after a couple days, he just got fed up. He got a little irritated. He got a little frustrated. It says, but Paul being grieved, that word grieved is translated in other places as, as frustrated, troubled. You know, it, it's almost like he was just a little irritated. I about had enough of this. You know, being grieved of, of all this stuff, he turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that same hour. So this girl follows them around shouting. Why did Paul, it sounded like she was shouting something true, wasn't she? These are the servants of the Most High God. And they were there giving people the way of salvation. Why did it bother Paul? Because it was mocking. It was mocking? It definitely could have been. What else? I mean, that's true. I'm, I'm not looking for nothing specific. I'm just asking. But she wasn't a Christian. so. No, she was not, definitely. She was, and she was not a reputable person to be trying to encourage someone else to come to Jesus. Yeah, that's true. She didn't have a testimony. That's right. It really wasn't even her, was it? It was a spirit inside of her. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Remember, no Christians in Philippi other than Paul and the people that he's converted by this time. You know what I mean? He's the first missionary in Philippi. So if you were a Philippian and all you knew is Greek gods and Greek goddesses and that kind of religion, and you heard this girl yelling, hey, these are the servants of the Most High God, what would you think? It was her God at that moment. It was Zeus. Or whoever, you know, whatever God you thought was the most high God. Uh, from, a, from a gospel perspective, because we know who God is and Christ and the salvation that Christ brings. If somebody says, you know, these are the servants of the most high God. From, from Paul's perspective, what she was saying was true. But all these people that are listening to this girl yell after them, they might not have been. They definitely weren't thinking of the Jewish God. They weren't thinking of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I mean. Who knows what they could have been thinking? They could have been thinking anything. The way of salvation, you know, what does that mean to a person who's never heard of Jesus? If you say, look, we're going to talk about salvation, and they're thinking salvation comes from sacrificing an ox to, you know, Heracles or whoever, you know, uh, who knows what they're thinking? And so what you see here is a, it's a pretty it's a pretty good lesson in being specific with your terms. I don't know if any of y'all have ever talked to uh, a Mormon. You ever talk to a Mormon? Uh, they use all the same language that we do. So if you talk to one and you're not, you, you don't realize what they're importing into the language. They talk about Jesus. They talk about the cross. They talk about resurrection. They talk about salvation. Talk about heaven. Talk about God. Talk about all these things. But if you don't realize what they import into those words, the meanings that they're important, you, you realize, hey, you, you're talking about two different things, really. You're talking about two different things. So Satan himself uses um, non-specific specific language. That's why it's very important, especially with the youth. That's why I get real specific. I, I, I'll, I'll make them tell me the gospel and I'll make them do it in under two minutes. So, you know, they, they feel a little pressure to make sure they get it right, get it succinct, get it easily to understand. And I refuse to let them use any church language, you know, like, you know, Jesus. And I'll stop them and say, what's a Jesus? You know, and, and, and they'll have to explain to me from scratch.
catch what it means to be lost, what it means to be saved, and how do I get there? And so Satan can use all the time. He can use something that's almost true all the time. I can imagine all kinds of people heard this girl yelling and was thinking, well, these guys must be, you know, Servants of whoever, you know, servants of Zeus, servants of whatever. They're here to deliver us from our poverty or from our squalor or whatever. And they weren't, from Paul's perspective, she was right. We are the servants of the Most High God, and we are here, giving the way of salvation. But after a while, I, he just got on his nerves, and he, he, cast, he cast the spirit out of her. This is going to be the cause of a lot of trouble that he gets into. The reason he goes to jail here is because he cast out this, this spirit. Um, he says he said he exercises the spirit. You know, notice there's no flopping around. There's no falling. And he just he just says, come out and it's gone. You know, there's no spectacle. There's no anything, you know. And so he says he does all that. And and, and uh, when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. Why were their masters upset? Why were the girls masters upset? Because their money was gone. That's important. That's important. And it's obvious, but it's going to it's going to be more important as we come to the to the next section. Um, th this is going to it really ticked them off. Their money was gone. They can't make money on her telling people's fortunes anymore. So they arrest Paul and Silas. Now, let me ask you a question. The missionary band consists of Paul and Silas and Timothy and uh, Luke. Because Luke says that they, they, we, we came, is us with it. So if all four of them there, why do they only arrest Paul and Silas? Anybody know? Paul and Silas were two, they had something in common that the other two didn't have. Jewish. They were Jewish men. They probably dressed Jewish. They probably, you know, when Paul would go out, I, I can't prove this, but when Paul would go out witnessing and go out to the Lydia and the place of prayer, I bet he dressed in his Pharisee robes, you know, just to, because they were they were like God fearers and they would looked at him with respect and all. So you see Paul and Silas, they Jewish men. Timothy's kind of half and half. He probably could have passed for a Gentile and Luke's definitely a Gentile. And so the four guys are there. They only arrest Paul and Silas. And in verse 20, they're going to call them these Jews are messing up our city, you know. And so these two guys, they singled them out as the ones that are, are, are messing up everything. And they arrest them. And then they falsely charge, charge them. Remember, why did they arrest them? Yeah, but why, what, what were the masters mad about? Their money. Money was gone. But that's not what they charged them with when they brought them before the officials. Look at verse 20. It says, And they brought them to the magistrates. These are the, these are the, the Roman officials, the province uh, governor's magistrates. He's saying, These men, being Jews, talking about Paul and Silas, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Now, is that why the, they were mad? No, no. no, they were. They lost all their money. And that's why they were mad. But they came and they brought these false accusations to uh, the Roman magistrates in order to get them in trouble, in order to get them arrested. And so the, the whole thing is just uh, by the end of this story, it is so it tickles me so much. It's so it's so interesting and so funny. But. They they are accused of something. The only trouble they had in the city, I, I love this, that the guys who owned the girl were bringing the accusation that they troubled the city 
because she had cast the spirit out, but they didn't have no problem with the chick following them around yelling all day long for three days going, these are the guys. They didn't have no problem with the trouble in the city because this girl was yelling at the top of her lungs. But when they lost their money, then they bring and they bring them in before these magistrates and they, they, uh, they say they're troubling the city and they're teaching unlawful customs. Neither of those things were true. Neither. But that's what they were accused of. It's something that you and I need to make sure we understand. Nobody, there's been a lot of Christian martyrs throughout the centuries. None of them, listen to me now, that none of them were ever charged with loving Christ. I'm killing you because you're loving Christ. They were charged with being cannibals. They were charged with, they were charged with being cannibals because they were said to eat the body and the blood of Christ when they, so they charged them with being cannibals. They charged them as being atheists because they refused to worship any other God except the one God, so they all said they were atheists. They charged them with, with uh, all kind of things that weren't true. You would get this kind of romantic vision of dying for Christ as if, you know, uh, the man on the stake that's about to be burned is saying, I'm going to die for Christ and they're, they're burning him because, hey, you're going to, you know, you're testimony for Christ is you need to reject it or whatever or we're going to burn you at the stake and he stands firm but most of the time most of the time they were arrested and accused of false charges so today I'm just kind of putting it in our context you probably won't be persecuted for loving Christ you'll be persecuted for being a bigot or a hater or someone who is anti-whatever. You'll be persecuted for those things rather than for Christ when really you're not a hater, you're not a bigot, you're just standing for Christ and you know, you're just, he says it's wrong, it's bad, it's, I gotta say it's wrong, it's bad. You won't be saying, well, we're gonna kill them because they're a Christian. They'll be saying, they're a bigot, they're a hate monger, they're a whatever. And so these people, the same way all through history, you can see that they were accused of stuff that, that really wasn't true. But in reality, they were suffering and dying for Christ. And so Paul is accused of this. I love this about Paul. He never raises an objection, not, not one single objection. He just takes it. He just takes it all the way up until takes the beating, takes the jail, takes everything. Never raises a single objection about anything when they arrested him falsely. Okay, and so what happened was they brought him before the magistrates. In verse 22 it says, And the multitude rose up together against them. The crowd joined in. Yeah, that's right. These guys are troubling our city. They're messing everything up for us. The magistrates saw all that going on. And so they tore off their clothes and they commanded them to be beaten, to beat them. And then when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast him into prison, charging the jailer to keep him safely. When he he kind of just says beaten, and you kind of just think, well, they were beaten. But what that means here is uh, they were beaten. Uh, it, this is not going to be the cat and nine tails thing. This is going to be just rods. They, it was just a form of punishment. Now think about think about laying down on this altar right here. With bare back and me taking them one inch dowel rods and just slapping you on the back with it about 39 times. That's what we're talking about. They were beaten with, with rods and they were thrown into the prison. Now all this happened publicly. 
Like the crowd is standing around cheering. They're standing around, you know, going, yeah, that's right. You know, they're doing all the things. The magistrates didn't have a trial. They didn't have any questions asked. They didn't ask no questions. Didn't give them opportunity for defense. They didn't give them anything. All they did was the guys brought them up. They said, these guys are troubling our city, teaching unlawful customs. The magistrates ripped off their clothes, threw them down, beat them with dowel rods and threw them in jail. Probably just to keep the crowd happy. Because if you had riots or insurrections going on, the Caesar would take away your position. And so, I don't know about you, but if you were Paul, what you think you would have said something? Like, no, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We didn't trouble nobody. We're not doing nothing. I, I, I got to let the cat out the bag because at the end of this, it is so, I mean, it just, it just, it's like, it's really thrilling to me. But at any time, at any time here, at any time in the jail cell, Paul could have revealed the fact that he and Silas were both Roman citizens. And all this would have stopped like that. I mean, it would have stopped just like that. N- not allowed, not allowed to beat Roman citizens. No, sir. You're not allowed to accuse them and jail them without trial. You're not allowed to crucify them. You're not allowed to. There was Rome was so anti. They were so prideful about Rome that if you are a Roman citizen, they you were not allowed. They were not allowed to be humiliated in public by anything, no matter what crime they've done. They were not allowed to be humiliated in public. Paul could have stopped this whole thing. He and Silas. By just one word, if he would have said, look, I'm a Roman citizen. He actually does this later on in Acts. They're going to have him laid out, about ready to be beaten. Paul's going to say, uh, excuse me, is it, is, it, uh, is it lawful to beat a Roman citizen? And the soldier's going to go. And he's going to go back and tell them they're going to let him go. You know, He could have stopped this at any time, but he didn't. He didn't say a word. He didn't come to a def- defense of what he was doing or anything. Remember, this guy just looks like a Jew. He just, he's just walking around in his Jewish stuff. He was arrested, he and Silas, just because they were the Jewish guys. The other guys were Gentile looking, so they left them alone. And so they brought him, they beat him, they threw him in jail. Paul never said a word. What would have happened to the jailer if Paul would have asserted his rights as a Roman right then and they let him go? Um, they would have had to finish the their sentence. Yeah, well, that was that if they I'm talking about before he ever got thrown in jail. Uh, we know the story. What's going to happen? It's going to be an earthquake. Yeah. Jailer's going to come in. Jailer's going to say, "What must I do to be saved?" Paul's going to tell him the gospel. What if Paul would have said, "Hey, I'm not I don't have to go through this suffering. I'm a Roman citizen." He wouldn't have been there. He would have never been in jail. And that jailer may have May have never come, never never come to Christ. So what what you see here is Paul was he was willing, and over and over again you see he was willing to suffer for the name of Christ, but he was also willing, knowing that God was the one that's in control. God's going to put him in a situation where he not only can be a witness to the jailer, but he's going to be a witness to the jailer's family. He's going to be a witness to all the prisoners that are in the cell because they're going to be hanging out listening to him sing in the middle of the night, you know. And so uh, he he refused to. Um, he refused to invoke his rights as a Roman citizen up until a point where I'm going to show you that point here in a minute. And so what happened was they threw him in jail. They, they let the jailer take him. He took him and put him in inside the inner prison. 
Uh, 24 says the jailer having received such a charge thrust them in the inner prison put their feet fast in the stocks and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises the words also could be translated hymns unto God and the prisoners heard them now can you imagine Paul was singing in the midst of the jail I mean, he was singing while he was fastened in the stocks. He had already been beaten. You can imagine that he was still sore, still bruised, still bloody from all that. And he was singing in the midst of the jail. But I just don't. Why do you think he was singing? I mean, what would cause a man to sing him, sing praises? He's praising God for what? what do you th- I'm just asking. Y'all look at me like... Well, he knew he would be delivered, I'm sure. He, I mean, he knew that God was going to rescue him from the situation. That's pr- probably so. Probably so. He knew that... He also probably knew that even if he didn't get delivered, it was all good. <laughs> but he knew that he was there for a purpose. God was using him. God was using him. Well, he'd already been warned by, by Christ, too, because I hate me, they'll hate you. And let your joy be full in that. Right. And I think it was important for him to be a testimony to the prisoners. I mean, what would it have been if he would have just sat in the jail going, well, this stinks. I can't believe, you know, just whatever. You know, I shouldn't be in here. Y'all put me in a... What kind of testimony would that be? See, Paul, not only... I mean, we can speculate about what's going on in his heart, but the reality is for sure that because he was singing and praying in his jail cell... He was ministering as a witness to Christ to the people that were in the prison, even though his circumstances were pretty awful. And they were, they were he was wronged to be there, shouldn't be there. A uh, lot of bad things happened to him that we would all be complaining about. But instead of any of that, it, I bet that he was he was mindful that even here, I, I'm supposed to be a witness to Christ. I'm supposed to be a witness to what God is doing and what God has done. And we see that his witness is uh, effective because the earthquake came. What is it? Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison were shaken. Immediately it says all the doors were open, right? And everyone's bands were loosed. Suddenly the earthquake came. All the prisoners are free. And the keeper of the prison awoke out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open. He drew out his sword, would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself. Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now, I can understand why Paul and Silas didn't run. They were worried. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. They, they, they didn't want to impugn the church that was there in, in Philippi. But for the life of me, I can't understand why the rest of the prisoners didn't bolt. Can you imagine what would make... Freaked out. Huh? Freaked out. Wouldn't you freak out if all of a sudden earthquake came and the doors fled open and these two guys were just singing? And- yeah, I'd freak out, but I'd be hauling tail. <laughs> I guarantee you. I, I don't know about y'all. Maybe I'm just... I'm not as spiritual as other people, but... If I'm, I'm, I mean, we're talking about pagan prisoners. We're, talk, we're not talking about Christians. We're not talking about, you know, maybe Paul witnessed to them during, but we don't know. We don't know. But I'm saying, 
jail cells in, in, in first century Rome were not punishments. They were holding cells until punishment came. So a jail was not where, it's not like prison today where they keep you there for 10 years and that's your punishment. It was just a place where they held you until they gave you a trial and then did your punishment. Like execution, banishment, whatever. So these guys were in the prison cell. They weren't just in prison like, well, this is what I get. You know, they were in prison like... I'm here until they come. When they come get me, something bad is going to happen. You know what like I mean? Like on death row. Yeah, like on death row or, or whatever their punishment would be. And so when the door swung open, not only did my... Okay, I'm sitting in the prison, right? And Paul and Silas are across the hall singing at midnight. All of a sudden, earthquake comes. My door swings open. The chains fall off my... Sure. What am I going to do? Uh, see ya. <laughs> I'm gone. For the life of me, I just cannot. They must have saw, heard or saw something in Paul and Silas that was radical, something amazing, to make them stay there, to make them stay there and continue to listen to Paul and Silas. Evidently, I'm just guessing. I don't know, but they must have seen something in them. That says, I, I, I want that. I want what they have. I want. I want what they I, I want to know what they know. I want to be like they are. You know, it won't, don't do me any good to run. I mean, that that whole mindset is just foreign to me because I'd be wanting to go home. I'd be you wanting know, to go get gone. The earthquake came, but the building didn't didn't fall, fall in. No, the building didn't fall in. No. I mean, they witnessed the doors opening and the chains falling off. Yes. And later on, they're going to go back to the jail. So it's still there. The locks still work. The you know everything, but all the doors opened up. was supernatural. Oh yeah, definitely. I I still I don't care <laughs> if it was supernatural. What if that door opens? I'm gone. It's like a rabbit in a cage. You know what I mean? You open that door, it's gone. And so it had to have been. It had to have been. They had their testimony in that instance had to have been. So powerful that it caused them to to stay in a place where they knew death was coming or punishment was coming. I mean, it's just amazing to me. But they were just amazed. They were anxious to see what was fixing to happen. And doors don't just open and chains don't fall off your feet every day. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It just happened to me. Okay. I'm fixing to stick around and watch. And yeah. Another thing, like it said, it said they prayed. They got to hear who they were praying. To. That's that's they true. They got to hear who the praises were sung to. You know that was that was a way of the gospel coming forth as well. Sure. How they prayed, who they prayed to, what those songs said. So you know that in itself could have right there offered conviction. Oh, I'm sure. You know, so it, I think it was just a culmination of the music, the prayers, and the supernatural earthquake and change. You know. It had to have been a heart change for me to stay in the prison. I guarantee you, because I'd have been gone. I put myself, I try to put myself in that position. Now, if I'm Paul and Silas, <clears throat> Paul's got a plan. They say, we're going to see Paul's plan here in a minute. I can understand, but them other guys, I don't care, I'm gone. So it, God had to have, God had to have changed their heart. He had to have been moving in their heart. And y'all know it's true. I'm talking about if you was in jail, I don't care what preacher man over in the next cell saying, them doors open, I'm gone. You know what I mean? Maybe so. Maybe so. 
Yeah, I'm sure not. I'm sure. I'm sure. I would have just thought that's crazy, but it scared me. <laughs> I'd be like, Paul, I. You are the man, and I believe everything you're saying. I'm out. I'll see you. <laughs> I'm gone. So anyway, the jailer comes in, and the jailer decides, look, all the doors are open. Everybody's gone. I'm going to kill myself. Why did he Why did he want to kill himself? Tammy? Tammy said it earlier. Because he would have to finish their sentence. Roman law said that if you were a guard, if you were a soldier, you were in charge of a prisoner, your prisoner escaped, you received the sentence that the prisoner had. So if it was death, you killed. If it was exile, you were exiled. You had to you had to step into the prisoner's role. So rather he he done lost a whole jail full of people. So rather than do all that, he just says, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna follow my sword and be done with the whole thing. Paul yells out, Stop! We're all still here. Now what do you think's going through the jailer's mind? He's, he's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Why in the world would y'all still be here? Why would you still be here? And also, he has just come this far from dying, right? He's about to fall on his sword. He has come, he is a, he's about to step off into eternity. And so, I, I, I don't know if y'all, have you, have you ever had a gun pointed at you for real? Like, for real, like a person, I'm fixing to kill you, point a gun at you. Uh, you can say whatever you want to say about, I'll tell you what, somebody point a gun at me. But if you ever look down the barrel of one, it's a whole different animal. I mean, it's a whole different story. And you, you get face to face with life and death like that. You start thinking about some things. You start thinking about meaning of life and what have I done and where am I going and all those kind of things. This jailer had come this far from dying. And so all of a sudden he realizes, hey man, this, this, I, I'm scared. I'm scared of I'm scared of what's next. I'm scared of all this. And so he runs in, grabs the light, runs in, and he, he falls down at the feet of Paul and Silas, and he say, he calls them sirs. The word's uh, curio, it's the, the word that we it's translated Lord in a lot of different other places. But it was a term of respect. Can you imagine, can you imagine the 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 uh, guards out at Whiteville Prison? And kneeling down before prisoners saying, excuse me, sir, would you mind? Getting? No, <laughs> this was something that was so it was so out of character. He was he was affected. It says, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down for Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wants to be not just delivered. He, he's been delivered from the punishment of the Romans, right? When Paul said, hey, don't kill yourself, we're still here. But that's not the kind of deliverance he's talking about here. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about, I want what you have. I want whatever it is that's in you. And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And so, and they spoke to him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They preached the gospel to him, told him faith in Christ is what's needed to be saved. And, and the, the jailer believed and we see that his heart is changed. He says, and he took them the same hour. The jailer took them the same hour of the night. He washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straight away. So the, the jailer, the one who was in charge of prisoners took them out and washed the washed their wounds from where they were beaten with the rods, which was absolutely unheard of. Uh, shows that his heart was changed. And then he submitted himself to baptism, showing that he was submitting to Christ. He was submitting to God's uh, ordinance. He was obeying Christ. And it says, and when he had brought them into his house, he brought them home. Can you imagine being Mrs. Jailer? <laughs> and Mr. Mr. Jailer showed up with two prisoners. It's like, oh, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't usually bring the convicts home, honey. You know, can you imagine what she was thinking? So he shows up, brings them home to their house. Took them same uh, when he had brought them to his house. He he fed them, set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. He believed. He he became a Christian that night. The Philippian jailer, this Roman soldier, gruff man. Uh, a lot of times, soldiers when they got uh, too old or too uh, battle worn or not able to be a soldier anymore, they'd put them in these in these jails. So he was probably a, a gruff, rough old guy that. Uh, that uh, trusted in Christ, and and you see this this mean Roman soldier guy washing their wounds and bringing them to his house, and and rejoicing with them, and believing, and hearing the gospel preached to their whole household. It says, uh, and evidently it doesn't tell us right here, but it skips to the next day. But evidently, after all this was over, the soldier, the guard, the jailer, he took them back to the prison. That's where they spent the night. They went back to the prison. I'm Paul. I'm thinking. Uh, why can't I just stay here? But Paul had a plan. They took him back to prison. It says, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, the police, the guards, saying, let those men go. So the magistrates were like, okay, you know, maybe they proved their point. Remember what happened. They accused them of two things that weren't true. The other guys accuse them. The magistrates, instead of giving them a trial, instead of giving them a hearing, instead of any questions, any defense, all they did was they they beat them, they pr- imprisoned them. Remember, they're dressed like Jews. They look like Jews. Let's just beat these Jews, teach them a lesson, throw them in the jail, get rid of them. It'll be all right. Magistrates say, we're not even going to have a trial. Just go let them go. They've learned their lesson. We've learned. And so Paul, this is where he unveils the fact that he's a Roman citizen. And so it says, and the keeper of the prison, the jailer, the one that had gone through all this, he said to them, he said to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. He's probably happy. Hey, guys, they're they're letting y'all go. And Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privately? He said, Nay, verily, but let them come themselves to fetch us out. And so Paul reveals the fact, Hey, me and Silas, we Roman citizens. <laughs> and so I can, I can, you can hear the pen drop. They look like Jewish guys. And these guys were thinking, we're just going to jail these two Jewish guys and we're going to nip this thing in the bud. And so Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You beat us publicly. You arrested us publicly. And now you want to just shove us out privately? No, they're going to have to come themselves. I want the magic, I want the city officials to come and you take us out. Why would Paul do such a thing? You think he was just getting revenge? No, he wasn't. He wasn't just vengeance, not just out of spite. What was his point, you think? It would be the next time somebody comes preaching Jesus, they're going to take a little bit more care with how they treat them. See, there's a new church in Lydia's house down the road. And if Paul were to run out of the prison when the doors open... The Christians would be labeled criminals. They would be labeled vagrants of society. They would have been labeled whatever. And Paul skipped skipped town. The rest of these believers, these brand new believers, was going to have to face the wrath of all this city officials. But Paul's making sure right here that we're not going to get swept under the rug. He's going to make sure that everybody that was standing around yelling when they were beating us, when I didn't say a word then, 
When they arrested us, threw us in jail, I didn't say a word. He said, but I'm going to make sure that they know that we're not criminals. That we're not criminals and that we're not vagrants and that we're not teaching things that are illegal or anything like that. I'm a Roman citizen and I was wrongfully beaten. I was wrongfully imprisoned. And I'm going to make sure they know that the next time somebody comes around the marketplace here preaching Christ, they're going to be a little bit more careful when they start. Because if Lydia would have come, if somebody else would have come that wasn't a Roman citizen, this whole issue, this whole thing might have been swept under the rug. And Christians forever would have been thought in Philippi to be just some some little group of criminals that, you know, we just don't even worry about that. But but by the magistrates realizing, hey, if Paul were to take his case before Caesar, the magistrates would be executed. It was illegal for them to beat and imprison a Roman citizen without trial. It was illegal for them to humiliate a Roman citizen in public. And Paul was born a Roman citizen. It wasn't like somebody else who just bought their citizenship. He was born a Roman citizen. He'll show us that later in Acts. And so the magistrates were like, they were scared. I mean, you can imagine being, they've really messed up. And so they did come and they did escort them out in public in front of all the people. So all the people knew that, hey, these guys right here are Roman citizens. These are not just some vagrants, not just some guys that we can treat any kind of way we want to. It says, let me just read it at the end and we'll be done here. It says, and uh, and Paul said all those things. And verse 38 says, and the sergeants, the police, the guards told these words unto the magistrates and they feared. So they were very afraid. He says, when they heard that they were Romans, they looked like Jewish guys. They were preaching Jewish stuff. They were preaching Christian gospel. They didn't look like Romans, but they were Roman citizens. And say, so when they found out they were Romans, they were terrified. And it says, and they came, the magistrates came and besought them. He then brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. He brought them out in public, brought them, you know, took them out of the jail cell in front of all the people. And they asked them politely to leave the city. Rather than commanding them. And Paul, he says, after I go visit the church that we've started here, I'm going to leave. He says, and they went out of the prison, entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and then they departed. So the point was not Paul is just rubbing in their face or saying, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, uh, you know, you're not going to. The point was he was worried about the other believers that were there. He was he was he could have he could have stopped the beating at any time by saying I'm a Roman. He could have stopped his imprisonment at any time by saying I'm a Roman in the middle of the night. Instead of singing praises and hymns to God, he could have told the jailer, hey, I'm a Roman citizen and they would have let him out at any time through this entire trial. He could have stopped it. Just like that. But he chose to let it go on and on and on because he was a witness for Christ. He was suffering for Christ. He thought it worthy to suffer for Christ. And he was a testimony. He was being a testimony to all the people that were around him. The people that were in the jail, the jailer, the other prisoners, everybody. He was being a witness for Christ. And when it came time for him to leave, 
I think he probably would have just left if it were not for the fact that there was a whole, it was a brand new church that had just started in Lydia's house and they were going to suffer some consequences if they started coming into the marketplace preaching the same gospel that Paul was preaching. These people that had thrown him into jail, remember the slave girl owners? They would have thought, well, here's this teaching again. Let's get rid of them too. Paul wanted to make an example out of this whole situation so that those, those people who had thrown him in jail, those owners of the slave girl would think twice before they came and grabbed hold of Lydia and tried to throw her in jail if she came preaching. They were leaving the city of Philippi. They were leaving the church better than they found it. Does that make sense? They were leaving them, they were leaving them more secure. Paul suffered the things that he suffered, and he, he asserted his citizenship as a Roman, not just for spite. If it, that was the case, he could have done that at any moment, at any time through this whole ordeal. He could have done that, and, and the whole thing would have been over and done with. But he did it when he did it and why he did it at that point in time so that the other believers in the city would... Uh, not be treated in the same way. The people that had jailed him would not be so quick to jail the next one that came around. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I believe he was also being a witness to the people there because you know it had to plant some doubt. Knowing, all of them knowing at any time Paul and Silas could have stopped this. But instead, they made a stand for this person they're calling God. Yeah. You know? After the I, fact, I I'm sure. You know, is what I'm doing really right, or yeah? But they have. You could imagine. I mean, you could imagine the magistrates who were now scared for their lives. Their lives were now in jeopardy because of what they had done. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Romans were not allowed to be crucified, no matter what they did. Was not they were not allowed to suffer public punishment at all, and so they were scared. And I can imagine them thinking, "Well, why didn't dude just say?" Why didn't dude just say he was a Roman? I mean, we could have... Yeah, the, what I keep thinking about is how it may have helped the church grow because of just what you're saying. It did. All right, well, let's pray. Next week, we'll start in chapter 17, okay?